In what area of your life do you suppose that patience would assist you if you had more of it? Where would it be, where would it make the greatest difference for you? Would it, would it help in your relationships that maybe you tend to, to push along a little too quickly at times? Would patience, if you had just a, a little bit more of it in your life, would it be one of those things that would help you lose your, uh, avoid rather losing your temper or flaring up? Would patience, if you had just a little bit more of it, would it make you a better listener? Would it help you arrive at wiser decisions if you were patient, if you weren't so quick to rush into a, a decision for any given situation? Most of us in some area of life or another would agree that, that more patience wouldn't be a bad thing. In fact, it would help us in one way or another. But I don't know that as helpful as patience might be for us, and it is a virtue, there's a reason that staying has stuck, I don't know that if I spent the rest of this time here giving you five more things you can do to become more patient, or three things you can start right now to practice patience in your life, that that would be terribly helpful. Because when it comes to patience in our lives, it's not usually a matter of information but rather transformation. In other words, if patience is going to be more of a part of our lives, if, if we're going to incorporate this habit of His grace into our lives, it requires real change, not just more information, but rather transformation. And the good news is that Jesus is in the business of changing people. So as we look to make this habit of His grace more a part of our lives, thank goodness we have Jesus to look to to incorporate patience in our lives. Let me start where I think we often go wrong when it comes to this discussion of patience. Just think of how we, we often talk about it. Patience is something that we want more of. I even asked uh, just a little while ago, uh, where would more patience help you? And we, we talk about it that way. When somebody loses his cool or her cool, and we, we look back and we tell them, well, you should have been more patient in that situation. Or as we assess a, a scenario there that we maybe would have benefited from, we, we say to ourselves, I, I wish I could have been more patient or I should have been a little bit more patient. But consider this, what if more patience isn't really the solution to the problem? Think of it this way. I know that this has not only happened to, to me, so I'm just going to presume that all of us have, have had a, a time in our lives where we were maybe working outside on a project or you were out in the yard or the garden and you had some event, some function that you knew was coming up later in the day and you spent a little, little too long on that project and you knew you needed to shower but you suddenly ran out of time. So instead of jumping in the shower, what's the quick fix? an extra swipe or two of, of deodorant, maybe a spritz of perfume or cologne, and voila, problem solved. Kind of. Maybe? But not really at all. You, you think that by, by covering up what really can only be handled by a shower that we have solved the problem. Just add more of the good-smelling stuff to cover up the bad stuff. And that's a, a lesson that far too many te teenagers take far too long to discover that 
that more deodorant doesn't cover up the shower that you need to take. So if more of something isn't the issue when we're talking about patients, what is? See, we're asking the wrong question. Rather than asking ourselves, how do I become more patient? Or what do I need to do to be more of a patient person? We need to ask an entirely different question. And what is that question? Well, it's not, how do I become more patient? Here's the question we should be asking. Why am I so impatient in the first place? And that totally shifts how we approach this topic of patience, doesn't it? Rather than seeking to add more to cover up something when really the solution is that you can't cover up the stink of our impatience by adding more patience, just as we can't cover up being outside or working in the garden or the yard too long with an extra swipe or two of, of deodorant or a spritz of perfume. It just doesn't work because it simply tries to cover up the problem rather than deal with what is really causing it in the first place. So if we ask this question, why am I so impatient in the first place? I'm confident that what you'll end up covering are one or two lies that we tend to believe. Ask yourself, why is it that you lose your temper so quickly with other people, strangers, even people that you don't know? Well, doesn't that come down to a lie that, that we often believe that all of my problems are other people's fault? So if everything that's going wrong in, in my day today or in my life right now is somebody else's fault, they're the reason for it, of course I'm going to not be patient with them because I see everybody else as at fault with anything that's not going well in my life. Why do you struggle with patience when it comes to children and parenting? Is at least in part because we, we have that lie that our kids should be perfect, that sh they should get it now, that they shouldn't screw up or mess up or sin or do anything wrong instead of realizing that's why God has given them parents in the first place to correct and train and that there's going to be mistakes along the way. Does that maybe reflect your own childhood, your perception of your parents that expected perfection from you, and now you have that same unrealistic expectation of your kids, so you don't deal with them patiently? And the same in, in a marriage. Why, why are you so impatient with your spouse? Is it because the longer you get married, you believe that lie that your spouse should be more like you by now instead of realizing and appreciating that those differences, you see them as deficiencies. So whatever it is that, that gets to the root of our impatience is probably going to uncover a lie or two that we believe. And it's not so easy to deal with this matter of patience in that regard, is it? It's much easier to just kind of kind of think of it in terms of, well, we all could be a little bit more patient than it is to say, I struggle with being impatient. I am too impatient. And while that might be a, a tough pill to swallow, difficult for us to realize, think of the alternative. If the reason that I am impatient is everybody else's fault, if, if it's because everybody else tests my patience and the issue isn't me at all, then you are in for a long road ahead because your life is going to be one that is trying to fix other people if they're always the problem. And guess what? You can't do that. 
you're never going to fix everybody else. So if your impatience is pinned on somebody else, if, if you blame others for your impatience, you are never going to fix that problem. But if you realize the root problem here is my own impatience, then we can start to work on it. Because that I can fix. Or rather that God in his grace can fix in me. Jesus talked about patience uh, in the, the parable. And, and you think of really the, the parable that he told illustrates really how accountable we are for our impatience. You consider the tree that was in that vineyard. The issue wasn't anybody else's fault. So the, the tree had every opportunity to produce fruit. It was set aside and planted in a vineyard. It had good soil and it was taken care of. So there was every reason to expect that tree to produce fruit. When it didn't, whose fault was it? It wasn't anybody else's fault but the tree that didn't produce fruit. And that is a humbling reality that, that patience, when it is an issue in our lives, is, is our fault. The blame isn't out there. It's, it's our impatience. And not only that, but as we apply this picture of the tree failing to produce fruit in the parable, and finally the outcome that it was chopped down, we realize that that any of these habits of grace that we've talked about, faithfulness, determination, compassion, and today patience, any one of them, if we fail to produce these fruit in our lives, God has every right to cut us down as well. That's a sobering thought. Jesus has a way of making his parables very personal, doesn't he? If you look at the verses that lead up to this parable, a little bit of context some individuals had come to Jesus and they were questioning uh, why had some people had been the, the recipients of, of Pilate's really heavy hand. The, the, the event that had happened was Pilate had, um, in, had inflicted pain. He had actually killed a number of Galileans and then totally insulted the, the Jewish people by mixing their blood in together with the sacrifices, which was totally an unclean thing to do. And the question that was brought before Jesus was, did these people do something wrong? That they suffered such a tragic fate at the hand of Pilate? Jesus brings into that question another scenario that must have happened, a, a tower that had fallen on some people. And, and, and Jesus makes it a, a very quick point of saying, no, this wasn't about something wrong they did. This wasn't karma coming back to bite them. And he takes it from that general question of what did people do wrong to deserve this? And he says, here's the bigger issue recorded in the verse right before our text in chapter 13 of Luke, verse 5. Jesus says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Unless you repent, you will perish. So Jesus suddenly then takes that opportunity to tell the parable that is in our text today about the, the tree not producing any fruit and, and says that, that that is you. How, don't worry about other people's situation or their scenario or what might have happened or caused their demise. What you need to worry about is are you producing fruit? Where do you stand before God? And if you aren't flourishing, then watch out. And the point of the parable, the th two things that we really want to take away about God in this parable are this. One, 
that God is patient. But two, that God's patience is limited. That God is patient is is abundantly clear throughout all of Scripture. Uh, This past Wednesday, these Wednesdays during Lent, we've been discussing a book called Rooted uh, by Pastor Mike Novotny. And last, uh, this last week, we talked about reading the Bible and growing closer to Jesus. And, and if we're going to be honest, as, as some of us were, we shared sometimes it's hard to read the Bible because it's just not that exciting. There are parts of the Old Testament that you just get bogged down and quite frankly, they're boring. But one thing that you cannot accuse the Bible of being is, is revealing God's patience especially the Old Testament, but really from start to finish, what we see is God patiently dealing with with his people as they are wayward and they wander with his leaders as they are flawed and as they fall flat on their faces again and again. God is patient with them. And not only that, but God reveals very clearly, as we saw in the second lesson today, exactly the purpose behind his patience. Verse 9 of our second lesson from 2 Peter chapter 3 reveals to us, God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That is why God is patient. God is waiting for as many people as possible to be saved, to be rescued, to come to repentance and see him as their Savior. And Jesus illustrates that then when when the landowner was ready to cut down the tree and and the guy working in it says, no, hold off, give it one more year, let me work the soil, let me fertilize it, it, give it more time and we'll see if it'll produce fruit. Patience. God is patient. And that is clear in this parable. But it's also clear that God's patience is limited. Notice that that there was a time frame attached to that patience. It wasn't open-ended. It wasn't someday or later on, but it was one year. Give it one year, and if it's not producing fruit, then, then we'll cut it down, then we'll chop it down, because it doesn't deserve to be in the vineyard anymore. Well, what does that one year represent? That one year is right now. That one year is the time that our gracious God allows us to to live day in and day out. So so friends, if if we're talking about that one-year time frame, you better be ready because the Lord's patience is limited. And today could be day 364, which means tomorrow is the day that he comes. And if he doesn't see fruit, he will not hesitate to cut us down. God is patient. Don't worry. But God's patience is limited. So don't wait. Both can be true, depending on what we need to hear. If I put God off, if I put his word off, if I think that this stuff of of faith and Jesus and salvation are unimportant or don't apply to me and I'll do it some other time or maybe take it seriously later on, be warned, God's patience is limited. If, on the other hand, I'm worried that I don't know that I'm going to measure up, that I I don't know where I stand with God, he says to you, don't worry, he's patient. And goes a step further than that and promises us that Jesus 
is in fact our patience. Do you know that one of the, the writers in the New Testament, John, not the one that we call John the Baptist, but the writer of the gospel and the epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, as well as Revelation. He said actually in Revelation, that very point, John demonstrated that he knew the gospel meant that Jesus was his patience. He says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. Patient endurance that he knew was his in Jesus. John was confessing his Christian faith that knew that that demand that God has of, of all of us, that, that these habits of his grace must be perfect, must not be lacking at all in our lives. He knew Jesus provided the perfect patience that he needed. So not only did Jesus go to the cross to pay for our impatience, to pay for those sins, but he actually replaced it with his patience. So that God looks at you and me and doesn't see our impatient track record when we have flown off the handle, when we have rushed our relationships, when we have made bad decisions, when a lack of patience has harmed us or hurt others. He doesn't see that, but rather sees Christ's perfect patience applied to our accounts by faith. Do you know what that means? It means that we can produce that fruit of patience. Not because it's in and of ourselves that anything that we're able to do, but that's exactly what grace does when we realize and embrace that my identity is not an impatient individual. But it is what God sees me. He sees Christ in me and he sees perfect patience. And so I can live that way. I can be that way. I can strive to grow and become more patient by realizing he has paid for my impatience. And I can't help but think that is perhaps one of the more attractive traits to be put on display in this world today. Where we see one person after another, impatient, fly off the handle, get into a, a debate, yelling, arguing. We lack patience in our world today. So what difference will it make when you produce that beautiful fruit of patience? Will that, that not be more attractive to the world? Will they not be attractive to you and, and wonder why it is, where is the source of this patience? Where does this beautiful fruit on your branches come from? And then by God's grace, you have the opportunity to point them to the source of your patience. Jesus, who is patient with you and me, bringing us to faith, keeping us in the faith, sustaining us in the faith. Jesus, who, who digs around the tree and, and fertilizes it, producing that fruit in us through his word and his sacraments. That's the source of patience. So put it into practice. Exercise this habit of grace. Be and live as God sees you in Christ Jesus, patient. Amen.